as John paints for us pictures of Jesus, inviting us to find life in Him, to live a life of faith in Him. We're in John 1. I'll begin reading in verse 29. And and I will say, if it starts to get warm in here, uh, which it might, uh, there are four fans in each corner. And uh, and so if it starts to get warm, you can reach and turn those on if you need them. Uh, So join me, John chapter 1. (laughs) John 1. I'll begin reading in verse 29 and read to the end of the chapter. We're coming in the middle of, of the disciple John telling us about John the Baptist and his ministry. We'll begin in verse 29. Hear now the word of the Lord. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who ranks before me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness, I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is He who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. The next day again, John was standing with two of his disciples. And he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and he said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending 
the Son of Man. Let's pray. Father, would you help us now as we come to these words that you have given to us, incredible words about your Son. Would you help us to listen? Would you help us to understand and not just understand information, but understand in a way that we embrace who He is and that it changes who we are? Give us ears to hear, hearts to receive this message, and may it bring us life. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. This week I was leaving the house, headed to work, and my youngest son, Sam, asked me where I was going, and I said to him, I'm going to work. And his response was to crinkle up his nose and say, Ew, that's gross. (laughs) He's potty training, uh, so he's heard that word a lot lately. (laughs) But he doesn't quite have a handle on what it means and when to use it. He doesn't fully understand the word gross. Reminds me of a word that's in our text, the word disciple. Not that it's gross, but that we often use it without fully understanding what it means. You know, there's a lot of jargon in the church. A lot of words that Christians use, and frankly, a lot of them just need to die. But the language of discipleship, I think, is worth preserving. It's worth keeping. Because as John shows us here, it's what happens when the Word becomes flesh. When God shows up in the person of Jesus and begins to speak and act, disciples gather around Him. With the implication that that should happen to us. That we should join that gathering of disciples around the Word who has become flesh. You realize that these men here, they are the beginning of us. Centerpoint Church exists because of what happened to Andrew and Philip and Peter and Nathaniel. So, instead of Ignoring these words instead of forgetting this language about discipleship and instead of misusing the language without understanding it, uh, let's take a few moments this morning and let's look at this passage. And I want to ask a couple of questions. What is a disciple and why should you be one? First of all, what is a disciple? In John's culture, the word disciple would have been paired with the word rabbi. A disciple was simply one who had attached himself or herself to a particular teacher. And so you see in these men a a curiosity, an attraction to Jesus. And they come to him and they call him rabbi, teacher. They, They place themselves under his instruction. They they attach themselves to this roaming classroom. 
But please notice what Jesus teaches them. As they come to him and call him teacher, what does the teacher teach? He doesn't give them a moral lesson. He doesn't present them with a philosophical theory. He invites them. He says, come and see. Follow me. And then he names them. He labels them. Simon Your name is now Cephas, which is the Aramaic word for rock. Peter comes from the Greek equivalent. And if you know anything about the rest of the story of the church, Peter eventually plays that role in this community that Jesus is building. As Jesus sees Nathanael walking towards him, he says, Look at him. Behold, there is a true Israelite, one in whom there is no deceit. That description Jesus takes from events in the Old Testament. Events to which he'll return later in the passage. Events that come from the life of Jacob. Remember Jacob, this ancestor of God's people, the nation of Israel? His name means deceiver. But God changed his name. And he changed his name to Israel. And then that label got applied to God's people as a whole. It's a label which means those who who win with God, those who prevail with God. There's an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. He's saying Nathaniel is truly a part of God's people. He truly belongs to God's promises. See, a Christian disciple isn't merely a learner of fact but a receiver of an identity. A disciple is one whom Jesus names, labels, describes, and learns from Jesus how to live out that identity. You see this at play in John the Baptist's life. We, we didn't read verses 19 to 28. But there the religious leaders come to him and they ask him the identity question. Who are you? And John refuses to answer that question without Jesus. He says, I'm not the Christ. I'm not the prophet. I'm not Elijah. Come again. I am preparation for him. John identifies himself. He says, who I am is determined by him, by who he is, by what he says, by what he does. John had a unique role in history, but that is the mindset of a disciple. Who I am is determined by him. When we first moved to Tallahassee, after one of the first trash pickup days, I forgot and left our trash receptacles out on the street too long. And I came out in my driveway and saw them pulled into my driveway by a city official with a door hanger hung on them, which said, be a good neighbor. (laughs) With the very strong implication that I had not been a good neighbor. 
Now, that didn't work because I still leave out my trash receptacles too long. But it did give me, it did give me a sermon illustration because it made me think. It occurred to me that we have labels hung on us all the time, like that door hanger. You're, you're a good student. You're a hard worker. You're a, you're a gifted artist, a talented athlete. You are stupid. You are lazy. You are not good enough. To be a disciple is to surrender to the labels that Jesus wants to give to us. Discipleship is all about the question, who gets to name you? Who gets to define who you truly are? There's a beautiful label in this chapter. We looked at it last week. It's in verse 12. To those who receive Him, to them He gives the right to be called, to be named, to be labeled children of God. How different would your life look if in response to the question, who are you? Your soul cried out, child of God. Not successful or a failure in my vocation as a parent, as a student, as a friend. But child of God. Who gets to name you? That's the question of a disciple, just as John says, a disciple says, my life doesn't make sense without him. But here's the problem. We love our labels. We love our labels. Even those that are false and harmful, we cling to them because we're afraid of what might happen if we let them go. So why would we do that? Why would we let them go in favor of the labels that Jesus wants to give us? Second question. Why should you be a Christian disciple? If a Christian disciple is one who is named by Jesus, whose deepest identity is formed in response to Him, why would you want to be that? It's clear that for the men in this passage, they they come to Jesus... Not just because he's a rabbi. They begin to sense that he's something more than a rabbi. Glimmers that he is something more than a teacher. And so this passage is full of other titles for Jesus. Son of God. Son of man. King of Israel. Messiah. The Christ. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And these titles, they are rich with Old Testament expectation. The expectation that God, at some point in history, would finally, decisively act to restore His people and renew all of creation. 
And with the help of John the Baptist, these men begin to think, maybe that's happening in him. Maybe that's starting in Jesus. And I love how they come to this realization. The scene that begins in verse 35. John has said for a second time, Behold the Lamb of God. And two of his disciples begin to trail behind Jesus. And he turns around and he says, What are you looking for? What are you seeking? Why are you following me? Why are you walking after me? That's weird. Their response is so funny to me. The one whom John has just called, the Lamb of God, (coughs) asks them, What do you want? And they say, we want to see your apartment. (laughs) We want to see where you live. And they go and they spend the rest of the day with him and they come out saying, we found the Messiah. Why? What happened? I think we have a hint there in that word stay, which is repeated several times in verses 38 and 39. It's the same word that John the Baptist used in verses 32 and 33 when he says the Spirit of God descended and remained, stayed on Jesus. It's the noun home turned into a verb. Now add to that what Jesus says at the end of the passage in verse 51. He says, you will see heaven open, angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man. He's once again taken us back to the life of Jacob. Maybe you remember the story, this ancestor of God's people. He cheated his older brother out of the family inheritance, and he's on the run because his brother wants to kill him. He's out in the middle of nowhere. He decides to stop for the night, lays down and uses a stone as his pillow, falls asleep, and God gives him a vision. And it's of a ladder connecting heaven and earth. Angels ascending and descending. A symbol of what God would go on to say to him. He says to Jacob, I am with you, and I will keep the promises that I have made to you. Jacob woke up, and do you remember what he named the place? He named it Bethel, which means house, home of God. These men follow Jesus because they find in him the home they were seeking. Jesus says, I am that ladder. I am that connection between heaven and earth. I am the the way to find a home with God. The place that you ultimately are seeking. That's why John the Baptist is out in the desert yelling the words of Isaiah. Prepare a way. Build a road. Make a highway. Why? Because God in Jesus is once again leading His people through the desert to their home with Him. It's why Jesus is the Lamb of God. He is the Passover Lamb whose blood covers the houses of His people so that they can leave slavery in Egypt and find a home with Him. It's why Jesus makes a point to notice Nathaniel sitting under the fig tree. 
an image all throughout the prophets of the Old Testament of renewed peace and security after judgment for God's people was everyone sitting under their own fig tree. It was a symbol of the restoration of home. That's why you should be a disciple. These men followed Jesus because of where He was leading them. It's the same for you. You will open your life to His redefinition of you when you trust that He is taking you home, that He's taking you to the place that you are ultimately seeking. Alan Jacobs is a literature professor at Baylor University, and he wrote a series of articles a couple years ago about the popularity of moving into the city. How many young people are choosing to live in the city rather than in the suburbs. And he talks about all the different places that he has lived. Small towns, large cities, suburbs. And it says, you know what, everywhere I've lived, there's always been this dissatisfaction. There's always been this discontentment. Always thinking that some other place will be what I'm really looking for. And he says, it took me years to realize that I was describing the place I wasn't as home. Isn't that true of us? Isn't that so very human? That restlessness that we think is a result of the wrong situation or the wrong place or the wrong job or the wrong people, but in the end, at its core, that restlessness is the result of sin. The sin that led Adam and Eve out of the garden. The sin that led the nation of Israel out of the promised land. And the sin that leads us all far away from God. Behold the Lamb of God who died and rose to take that sin and to bring you near. Can you hear Jesus asking you, what do you want? What are you looking for? Can you realize that deep down your ultimate longing is for a home with God? Can you see Him on the cross becoming the ladder of Jacob to bring you in to that home, to be for you that place of security, peace, and belonging. The Lamb of God wants to leave you, lead you home. Will you follow Him? Let's pray.